Welcome to the Peace at Home podcast. I'm your co-host, Sinan. And I'm Jamie. And I will just say, because we keep forgetting, our music's by Jordan, a friend of ours, who also has a podcast called Com Radio, which you should definitely check out. And we have a special guest because Ben has decided to have a job, I guess. Was that their yeah. excuse for this one? They, they have a job that requires them. I know. You might recognize that voice, actually. It's a Praxis cast takeover. I'm being held hostage by Praxis cast for once. Re- Revenge for taking over their Twitter account that time. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Oh, I missed that. Yeah, introduce yourself, mate. Oh, sorry. I might, I don't know what the what the custom is. Um, what the what the custom is in these in these Anatolian climbs. Uh, no, hi. I'm <laughs> I'm Rob. I'm part of Praxiscast. Uh, if you listen to this, you probably listen to Praxiscast. What do I know? Yeah, there's probably a huge overlap. I would reckon, right? <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of a lot of I can't imagine there's I can't imagine there's two distinct markets that, like for my bullshit. <laughs> I was gonna say because like a lot of people were like I will listen to anything that Jamie has to learn stuff. <laughs> like I don't think all these learned is Batman and Bap. Like yeah. that's oh, it. I learned the shit out of Bap. <laughs> yeah, Bap fucking Bap whipped so hard. If you want to know what we're on about when we say Bap, uh, check out the Patreon and that bonus episode because that was really good. Just boss. It, yeah, was, but... it was a shit post party, basically. <laughs> yeah, but now you're here on the free one, so get ready for it to yeah. suck. Yeah, so we... no Care Starmer voice for you on the free <laughs> one. <laughs> I need to find a new voice, I think. Care Starmer's going to be gone soon, and I'm going to be looking like a fucking relic if I keep doing that voice. You need yeah. to do like a uh, 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 Paul Mason voice, but like in the deep bends of his psychotic uh, uh, map drawing phase. <laughs> The thing is, the person who does a good Paul Mason is Jack Frayne Reed from Real Politics. He does a really good Paul Mason. I can't quite, I can't quite do like pitch shifting and accent. I can probably do either or, but Paul Mason's voice is like deeper than mine. He has that so weird, to... deep sort of horsey voice. Yeah, like I, I need to like listen to him for ages. That's kind of how I do these. <laughs> That's unfortunate because it implies I had to listen to Keir Starmer for ages to master the voice. Get um get get Rob to teach you as Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Still the, the finest is, thing I've ever done. <laughs> I I've never really listened to Jordan Peterson much because I'm not a fucking idiot. But um, yeah. <laughs> like so I don't really know what he sounds like. So if you did any impression, I would just assume it was him. No, uh, he I, sounds like Kermit the Frog. Yeah. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> it's it is also like the sounds of my vocal cords trying desperately to wrench themselves from my throat. Like it was really, really painful. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could remember which episode of Praxis Cast that was on. It's quite early on. Would... It is, yeah. But like Rob, Rob does his Jordan Peterson impression, and then I go, "Is that really the best Kermit voice you can do?" And then Rob gets an octave higher and goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, so just listen back to our entire back catalogue. Like, whatever. You're, you're yeah. not doing yeah, anything you know, better. You've got, you got time, yeah. yeah. It's not like I have to listen to an audiobook of fucking Ulysses by next week. <laughs> Wait, what? why? Why are you doing that because, as an audiobook? Because, right, so I can't be bothered to fucking read 700 pages and it's Bloomsday next week, so I'm going to listen to it on two speed. Because I'm doing a stream next week. We're gonna, me and uh, the graphics guy for this podcast, and my graphics guy for other shit, are gonna be doing a Ulysses debate, and maybe we'll have Jeremy Corbyn there. I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> that is entirely the gimmick we're doing. Like, 
<laughs> but I have to like refamiliarize myself with it, and I'm not fucking reading a 700 page book again. It's just not happening. Or I think it's it feels like 700. Pages. It's 700 long pages. It's pretty good though. It is good. That's the thing. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's long. They're two different critiques. <laughs> plus, you, ha- plus uh, you have another book to read for the end of the month. Oh, shit. Yeah, I have to read so many books. People people listening at home may not know, because I do this bit where I'm like, I'm not a strong reader, but I read so many fucking things. It's unbelievable. I have to read, like, a shit ton of research papers for my next video, which is why I've delayed recording it as well. So... I'm going to be finding out whether online piracy is actually fucking cool as shit. Uh, if anyone from work's listening, that was a joke. I did not <laughs> accidentally violate the, uh, the, the, the um, what was it, the code of conduct for the company. Mm. That was a joke. It was in Roblox. It's fine. Anyway, <laughs> we're like 10 minutes into the recording and we haven't started yeah. the episode. Let's start that's, the episode. That's the, that's the Praxis cast guarantee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's <laughs> at least at least at least one sixth of your episode will be not related to the topic or your money back. Yeah. <laughs> Let's discuss your favorite LimeWire songs. Oh, I really like uh Linkin Park num.exe. That was a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually make that reference in the video. I actually That's... in my note I specifically put Linkin Park num.exe in all caps in the script. You and Linkin Park is like the tell me the thing about sin and you didn't know but also did know that. <laughs> oh, everyone, I assumed everyone thought I was a Linkin Park fan when I was like 13, 14. Well, it wouldn't have been, it would have been like 10 really. But, you know, I, assume, I assumed everyone would have assumed that at this point because I do all this new metal discourse and you can't really do it without having gone through Linkin Park's first two albums. Well, the thing... The thing you always say is that you like picked up your, your taste in music from like video game soundtracks, and I, I can't remember any video games that could afford Linkin Park. The thing is, the I yeah okay, so the video game soundtracks fine. I guess we're doing an aside here. <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't started the episode, but as an aside, I will say that like the video game soundtrack, the one that like was most formative were like the Tony Hawk games. Pro, Tony Hawk yeah. Pro Skater like, Two, yes, absolutely, the yeah. one with uh, ninety six quite bit of beings in it. That's two or three. Yeah, and. It was Madden 04, which had like Avenge Sevenfold, Blink 182, and a bunch of, and like Alien Ant Farm and shit like that. So that's where like the pop punk slash hard rock shit comes from. And, and like if you were vaguely interested in that in 2004, which is when I, when I would have just started like using LimeWire, well, you're going to get Linkin Park, aren't you? <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Oh no, they must have been in. Su- they were an A game soundtrack, but much later, I think, like way after they basically when they became like a pop rock band, and not when they were still a new metal band. Anyway, that's a different podcast. The new metal. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can we not just keep discussing like the the third Tony Hawk Pro no. Skater one? <laughs> no, we can't. Uh, okay. We really can't. There's, like- a bun- there's a bunch of like people with an interest in history screaming at their fucking computers for us to get on with it. Yeah, they're like, "What is this? What the fuck is a Lincoln Park?" Just like because, is- like, t- to be fair, there's some k- chance that like they're like 18 years old and listening to this and they don't know what Lincoln Park is. Because yeah, just go play Tony Hawk Pro Skater in- Three. Because it's funny to think Lincoln Park's cultural relevance ended in like 2008. So, <laughs> and in the end, it didn't even matter. That's right. And also, all oh, right, okay, I'm not going to do it, but that's their most poppy song, and people got mad at them for no reason. Anyway, what the episode's actually about today is 
about the, it, we're, we're in the Reform Factory again. This is the Reform Factory Part Two. So you might recall a few episodes ago. I don't remember what the episode numbers are. So sorry, everyone. But we we, we talked about the first kind of half of the ke- important Kemalist reforms. So this is the second half of them, which are happening in the backdrop of, uh, you know, attempting to do democracy and also having like revolts happen and the Great Depression. So bear all of that in mind. Uh, and if you want to learn more about the Great Depression stuff, that's the last episode. Because... Yeah, which I listened to this afternoon in preparation. Oh, that's because good. Because Jamie yeah, told except, me to. Except that was completely the wrong episode to listen Fuck to. Fuck you, Jamie. For this. <laughs> <laughs> the Reform Factory Part 1 was very obviously the one to listen to. Yeah, but... well, I didn't I didn't look at the notes ahead of time. Did I, I know you didn't. <laughs> All right. This has become an episode of Praxis Cast. It's so This is what every Praxis Cast recording is like, everyone. I'm this is like a game of Chinese know. whispers, but there's like three Jamies in the middle. It's great. Yeah. So we left off in the last Reform Factory episode in 1928. And we ended with Turkey doing train communism and owning the railways, which... Yeah, I mean, imagine Good. a state being able to own the railways. Imagine it. Everyone. Yeah. God, could you imagine it? And they also they nationalized the rail from foreign companies because the whole idea is we don't want foreigners controlling our economy. Instead, we should have our own capitalist class to control our economy because that's, that's good nationalism for you. And we also, there was some important stuff in the last episode. So, Rob, it wasn't completely a waste. But I need you all <laughs> yeah. to kind of understand that Turkey is primarily an agriculture-based society still. And that yeah. does mean that there's like a lot of social conservatism going on. And so when you hear about some of these reforms, you need to understand that these reforms are happening, one, because there's a government that wields absolute power and is probably still very popular based on its figurehead leader. But also, like, a lot of people start resenting a lot of this shit. So they're, like, banning the Fez. It's like, who gives a fuck, right? But you'll probably see what happens when... You'll see one of these reforms in particular. That's what's going to upset them a lot. Is it another so, hat? Right. Yeah, they, they're going to they're start... No, it's not a hat. They're going to make people dress as Mr. Blobby <laughs> as part of the... Um, <laughs> I, I've the become t- obsessed with putting... I've become obsessed with putting Mr. Blobby into that AI. <laughs> I've just become fucking obsessed with it. Hold on, Mr. Blobby wearing a fez. Um, I'm just thinking just of gonna... the Turkish fedora revolt of 1929. <laughs> you say that, that was like, that was the hat they were making people wear. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a nation of hat tip, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were like, it's more modern than the fez, but I'd argue the fez is less of a nonce hat than the fedora. No, oh, the Fez is a yeah. great hat. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's too old-fashioned for, for a modern country like Turkey. I, I would argue that a hat with I fuck kids on the front is less of a nonce hat than the fucking fedora. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to suggest someone was wearing that hat, but I realized I'd have to. that would be my first libel of the podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it alone. It's... Uh, it's- Anyway, we were cutting, um, <laughs> we cutting some stuff out from this one. Um, so, oh, it's like being back gonna... on Praxis Cast where half of it's just bleeping about nonsense. It's great. 
we didn't do too much. And actually, to be fair, if I say certain things about certain people, I will have to like cut it out of the episode because <laughs> otherwise, we, I will get like there is like a note in here where I'm like, I don't want to get assassinated. Um, but yeah, are we going to so, be talking about Gulen? Or? <laughs> oh, we're going to be talking about that much later. Yeah, I'm going to do a deep dive into the Gulen movement at some point, and then I'm Ooh. definitely going to get fucking like redacted. Like I'm done. Compromise to a permanent end. Yeah. If you're listening and you find Sinan double tapped in his own suitcase, don't worry, it's fine. Yeah, I, w- I want to be clear. I do not have any intention to kill myself. Well, I don't have any more intention to kill myself than usual, which means I have no follow through, really. So if I do turn up dead, I didn't do it, all right? One of the major reforms we talked about in, in the last episode of The Reform Factory was the centralization of education. So, you know, they started having, like, a national curriculum and all of this yeah. shit. So they actually started doing education proper, what we would call properly. I'm not doing a judgment on that. I'm just saying that's how they felt it worked. And the chemists, on the one hand, are like, yes, education is important because it will improve the material conditions of people in the country because they believe that, you know, this is a time in capitalism where a more educated workforce meant you got different jobs as opposed to, like, everyone having to work in a pub with a PhD. Different time. Also, yeah. a lot of people I know who have PhDs work in pubs. That's really what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> but, but it's also, like, really useful to have a central education system when you have a nationalist project that you want to sort of cement in the long run. So it was basically used as sort of like as this propagandizing arm of the Turkish government to sort of instill the reforms that were happening in the next generation of people. So in 1928, they found the Turkish Education Association, which is kind of this arm's length NGO kind of thing that is also is also kind of a private school operator. It's a really it's a really kind of a weird organization now. I went on their website for the university. They run a university now, by the way. So right. they they run a, they have like schools at basically every level. And it's kind of a weird or, there's a sort of history in Turkey of sort of charitable school organizations. It's like my mum went to one, which is quite a famous school, and it's a school that like gives scholarships or specifically provides education to orphans. Not that, but my mum did, was, I should be clear, she got in on the, like, on the, like, selective exam, you know, like, top three students got let in, selective exam. So, and it was, and it was a boarding school, obviously, because they're orphans, and apparently, that shit sucks, by the way, being at, like, a boarding school, apparently that shit sucks, and it probably explains a lot of other things, because, like, a lot of people from that school go on to become, like, significant figures in Turkey, and, like, or movie directors, oddly. A lot of my mum's old classmates direct movies now. Incidentally, if any of you are listening, uh, I, I do very good acting in my videos. I can play insane doctors, um, weird <laughs> blackjack dealers. I don't know what else I've done in my videos, actually, now I think about it. I couldn't list all the stupid shit I've done. But if any of them are listening, you know, and you need a fluent English speaker and an okay Turkish speaker, there you go. But yeah, this the Turkish Education Association it also does this scholarship thing now where they're like, oh, we want to give scholarships to university for, you know, disadvantaged students, you know, victims of terror attacks, that sort of thing. And their mission is, their mission statement is that they want to play it, they're playing an active role in the effort to preserve and develop the values of civilization and a contemporary progressive vision. 
Okay, so there's a lot is, of ideology. A lot so of ideology. This is, this going is on. not one of those things where the education curriculum is supposed to wipe out all the previous like peasant culture and make it shiny and new. It's not. It's it's not like that one. Um, this specific association isn't like that, but a lot of education reform, because there wasn't a lot of education going on in Turkey before, any formal education would work to sort of eliminate elements of that culture anyway. And I sort of make this point in the notes somewhere, which is that between like 1923 and 1938, the number of children attending school increased by 224%, All right. which is insane. Basically, yeah. but yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it does it does work. So because they're trying to cement their nationalist project, it is about forging this new identity. Because you got to remember, a lot of again, Turkey's very rural, very conservative. The Kemalists are not doing anything that they would like a lot in a lot of cases, or like what you imagine they would like. This is kind of like the Red Wall where people project. They by and large want to be left the fuck alone, like most people. But they're not being right. left alone because. We need to civilize the peasants, basically. And right. a lot of civilizing the peasant meat peasants meant giving them tractors, to be fair. So Excellent. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm against like people trying to civilize like peasants. Um just leave us alone, quite yeah. frankly. But I will always take a free tractor. Yeah, there was <laughs> there was a lot of so we, I think we mentioned this in the first half of the Reform Factory. There was land reform and they gave farmers land. And they also tried to, like, mechanize agriculture so that they could farm it properly or, you know, or better, at least. And yeah, yeah so, there, so, you know, there's a lot of what we might call sort of classic populism going on with stuff like land reform. And to be fair, the education stuff doesn't go down poorly because it turns out reading is good. Um, it improved a lot of the country. So there's, there's more going on in 1928. 1928 was a busy year. Ottoman Turkish was still used as like the primary language of communication. So that's like a really complicated mashup of like Arabic, Persian, and Turkish that means that you only ever really understand a third of the language at any given time, which, as you might imagine, is not good for communicating purposes. Yeah. It's not ideal. And there's a problem with this, right? So there are two problems. One is that, like, so, the, so people have, it's fashionable now to put out articles saying, like, Oh, literacy in the Ottoman Empire and in the early Turkish Republic was much higher than you think. And they're like, instead of 6%, it was 10%. And it's like, yeah, that is much higher, relatively speaking. But also, that's still fucking abysmal. But depending on who you ask, it was between 10 and 42%. I don't know. Those that's are the, that's yeah. quite a margin of error. Yeah, so I think it's probably closer to 10 a lot of other people, for some reason, like to imagine it's closer to 42. I don't know. Basically, this is because Ottoman Turkish in the Arabic script is unreadable. It's just fucking unreadable gibberish. Because Arabic does not have the letters required to <laughs> make Turkish sounds. So they had to have a bunch of special characters. So if you, for example, a lot of schools in the Ottoman Empire were like religious schools. So you would learn the Quran. But you'd learn the Quran in Arabic and learn the Arabic script. So if you had that education and you looked at Ottoman Turkish, you'd see a bunch of gibberish in the middle of words and just yeah. be like, I don't know what the fuck that is, basically. Was it, was it the first language that required a DLC? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, beating out Sonic Adventure for first DLC. <laughs> what a power move from the, uh, from the Ottomans there. So in 1928, 
they decide, well, what we're going to found is the Turkish Language Association. There's a lot of associations here, so if, it, if, you, if you get lost, it's okay. But they did that with the assistance of what I think is a far-right NGO called the Turkish Halfs. Now, I think they're a far-right NGO because I believe a group with the same name also was involved in the founding of the far-right party that currently exists in Turkey today. Right. So, so this is already off to a shaky start. And, yeah. and to be fair, the far-right party in Turkey today, uh, they, it took them until like 2006 to recognize that Kurdish people exist. But is, it, is this one of those things that they were always far right, or is this one of those things like uh, the SDP, which split in somewhere in the 1980s in the UK and is now like a weird like blood and soil party, which they really didn't used to be? Uh, no, these, these people were always far right, because the Turkish halves were basically, they organized in the Ottoman Empire in 1912, and they were an anti-Ottoman NGO. They wanted like Turkey for Turks, that's it. And we want to modernize the country. Basically, this is like, it's almost like proto-fascism in the way that it tried to communicate. It's like, we need to rejuvenate the country and make it, you know, strong again. And we need to reform our language and purge it of this foreign influence, right? Yeah. It's all it's, Tur- Turkish UKIP. Turkish <laughs> UKIP. But like the far-right party, I should be clear, but like the far-right party that they eventually helped found, at least I think they helped found, or at least they're, they might be affiliated to them now. Um, they're like they're they're a fascist party. They're a Nazi party. They're founded. We'll get to it in the forties when we come around to it. They're founded by people who were court-martialed for being too racist for Turkey in the forties. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Cool. And and now, admittedly, that was a show trial to satisfy the Soviets. But also, they absolutely were, even for the time, too racist. Like people remarked upon how racist these people were. Okay, so it's essentially yeah, like I mean, a racist version of the French language schools where they still do that thing where the, you have to say le floppy disk, etc. because you have to make it French. So it's yeah. just a French language school then. Yeah, this is this does... And you've got to remember, like, a lot of the Turkish nationalist inspirations came from, like, the French Revolution and Switzerland, weird, but well, that's a sort of separate issue. And they did that kind of deliberately because they're like, we can't take inspiration from the other revolution happening to the north because that's the Bolshevik revolution. And we are not, we're trying to create the material conditions that allow capitalism to happen rather than abolish capitalism, which is a choice. It was a bad choice, I maintain, but there you go. I would say that. Also, I just want to say as well, it's it's always a bad time when someone gets described as racist, even for the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not good. So the found, so the association is founded. So ostensibly, the purpose of this foundation is to replace foreign loan words in Turkish and in common use in Turkey, and to implement the new Latin alphabet. So. They, they take a look at this idea for a Latin alphabet and they're like, yeah, okay, that does make some sense as a language reform because, frankly, this shit is unreadable. Everyone yeah. fucking agreed that it had to go. But, well, not everyone. Some people were like, no, this will allow the pause to read. <laughs> go figure, right? But, but generally speaking, most right-minded people were like, yeah, let's be honest, this doesn't make any fucking sense. And also, in the context of a sort of westernizing modernizing nationalist project moving from arabic to latin in the because they still believe in the sort of clash of civilizations type framework 
makes you more Western and therefore good. I have thoughts about whether that's true or not, but anyway. Um, but so they were told, they told us to initially, like, it's going to take five years to transition everyone to this new alphabet, right? Because you got to teach people the new alphabet. You got to give public. You got to get new printing presses, right? You've got to, yeah. you know, you've got to, you got to let people learn it. You've got to. You, you've got you to need ch- an entirely new set of like fucking books for like yeah. children. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And Altaruk instead was like, "No, we're going to do it in three months. King. We're doing it in three months." King. And that is that is some Star Trek shit right there. Like, this is going to take yeah. five years. You've got twenty minutes, man. Make it work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get it going. This is like and you're not is... you're you're not smelting pig iron in your backyard. You are building a printing press. That's yeah. <laughs> um, and to be fair, this this is what results in that farce of him traveling around the country with a blackboard pointing at letters in front of children. Which includes my great grandmother, by the way. She's one of these children in one of these pictures. Kate showed up yeah. to the village and was like. This is an A. It's like, <laughs> okay, great. I'm sure she I mean, t- she took that. That is absolutely king shit. Like, you know what I mean? Just <laughs> just rolling around the country as the president, being like, I'm yeah. gonna teach everyone the new alphabet I invented. Someone goes, oh, this is gonna take five years. I bet it's like it's gonna take five years. So we'll need like this much money, and he's like, fuck it, I can get it done in three months, man. Watch this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in and to be fair, there was a transition period where he's like, look, everyone like. You can have two years to transition all of the stuff, but this alphabet is, you know, we need to do it in three months. We need to get it in at least significant common use in three months and change schools and stuff like that. And to be fair, it mostly happens quite quickly because just by sheer force... Because literally the president is in your classroom telling you that's an A, and if you don't listen, the Secret Service is fucking coming for you. (laughs) But what if it was an O? Oh, damn, that's it. <laughs> Taken care of. But yeah, it's one of the like really like insane things that you don't think about now, which is that this was one of the fastest language reforms on that scale that has ever happened. Like, obviously that China did a language reform of its own with simplified Chinese when, the, uh, when Mao took over. And, you know... That was easier because you were simplifying an existing and already used script as opposed to, although it's more difficult in China because it's like a shit ton more people, but technically speaking, it seems to strike me as simpler. Whereas in Turkey, they were like, no, we need to construct an entirely new alphabet and create a bunch of new special characters and also drop W, X, W and X from the alphabet. And I'm pretty sure there's some others that aren't used, but yeah. That, that's yeah. yeah, good job. I, mean, I would say, but the the president going around schools to like solve the problem directly. The Americans should try that with, with shootings. You know what I mean? Just Joe Biden shows up trying to prevent a mass shooting and then has yeah. a nap. Like <laughs> just like gears of war rolling down the corridors. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no! But so the replacement of loan words element of this kind of doesn't work because it turns out no one wants to use these weird made up turkic rooted stuff like they're just they're just not going to use it and some of them stuck right so they changed the name of october from i'm going to try and speak ottoman turkish for the first time everyone herşrin nevel which uh, it's it's fucking gibberish to me i don't know to ekim which does make sense because ekim literally means uh, sewing which is what you do in October in Turkey. 
it makes yeah. sense. People understood that, right? That's good language reform. Everyone understood what it was. It's not like these weirdos who want to do language reform for English, but make it all old English again. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Is that, well, I mean, that's so old. cool. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I did a couple of courses in old English for my, for my degree work. And it's just like, trust me when I say you do not want to go back to old English. That's, that's so fucking bad. <laughs> Yeah. yeah oh, well, it must it must be bad if if a fucking Dutch speaker is like saying it's bad. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've seen some of the bullshit that passes for Dutch. <laughs> I make no apologies for my fucking swamp language. I'm just saying, don't. There's go- a lot of. <laughs> how many how many words are there in Old English for shoe polish? I wonder. That's now what I'm wondering if the Dutch are getting defensive about this. <laughs> don't don't set him off. He's had he's had a few drinks. Don't don't start. Him. <laughs> Here all fucking night. <laughs> it's it's a harmless anyway. <laughs> Me roaring in old English about harmless Christmas traditions. Yeah, that's gonna yeah. be good time. It's to a have harmless Dale. Yule tradition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they do. They do. Some of the changes do stick. And so, what was the uh, what was the, what was the the Ottoman Turkish for "Give me ein clap, Papa"? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't speak it remotely well enough to fucking attempt that. I think if there's one thing you like, speak, it's that. Yeah. It, so, but this is the thing about Turkish, which is if it's a language that is constantly being reformed. So even like shit from the fifties, if you read it in the original. Um, the way it was written originally, it looks like fucking gibberish to me. Like it just, it's it's unreadable. So like this language is, has has undergone a lot of reforms. In fact, there's a very famous speech by Ataturk that took 36 hours that was made into a book. I feel like we should talk about that at some point. Oh, this, um, what, yeah. this this was his uh, his Ayn Rand uh, period, was it? Yeah, he it was basically like a party conference, or well, a parliamentary speech or a party conference speech that lasted 36 hours in total. He did sleep between bits of it. <laughs> yeah, that but, doesn't count. Again, again, just like Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is was, Kemal um, Ataturk speaking. You ask who is Kemal? <laughs> yeah, but, it, <laughs> but it had to be like, it's had to be rewritten something like five times now because the language has changed so much through like just, natural shift in the languages so that gives you an idea of how elastic it is now they did fail to remove all of the loan words it will surprise you to know and that was one of the reasons why they decided to develop a new pseudo-scientific linguistic theory called sun language theory excellent uh, which a future bonus episode uh, probably the one after the one we're recording next week in order to justify the loan words, because I'll spoil a little bit for you. Get this. What if every language were actually secretly descended from Proto-Turkic? Then it would be okay to have foreign loan words because they're Turkish anyway. Is this is this just Turkish map YouTube, but for the dictionary? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> except Incredible. like except like they tried to come up with like a sci- like a linguistic scientific way to justify it, which is why I get to post on Twitter whenever a Turkish person in Britain embarrasses me that I'm actually Etruscan. I'm not <laughs> very I'm not powerful. Fa- you know. Yeah. <laughs> and boy are there some embarrassing British Turkish people. Not that I know anything about that, but anyway. So no, 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 I reform... think we should stay here, and I think you should name them. 
individually. No, because there used to be a Daily Mail journalist who went to work for the Guardian. I forgot her fucking name, but I saw I saw that, and Arjan was like, "Man, I knew the Turks' time would come because obviously, like British Indians and stuff like that have have some have some uh, you know people of their own who maybe they don't want to claim." And I was like, "I knew our time was coming. I knew our time was coming, and here it is." But yeah, they they're they're a terrible journalist, and uh, they will fit right in at the Guardian because the Guardian is shite. It's so, also shite. Yes. Anyway, dawn of the yeah. Turkish day. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm gonna. I can't wait to explain where the sun and sun language theory comes from because it's so much dumber than anything you could imagine. Um, so the language reform is a mixed success. So failing to replace loan words, it wasn't like a big deal to the nationalist cause because if you're a new nationalist movement, you can just invent history, right? That was the, yeah. that was the done thing at the time, and. You know, we talked about this in the last bonus episode, you know, the origin of Turanism, which was surprisingly not a Turkish person, but was actually a Finnish person. So there you go. A lot of that Turkish map nonsense. Blame Finland, personally. That's what I do. I blame yeah. Finland for everything. We should. Yeah. We should. We, the, Finns, the Finns have had it too good for too long. That's now, <laughs> yeah. my, that's now my position on the podcast. They've had it too good for too long. We should, we should really be bashing the Finns more often. Let's learn about Finland so yeah. that we can but, make fun but of their only during the, But only during the eternal night they have there. Yeah, good lord. That, I'll tell you what, when I was in Estonia for the Metallica gig, the fact that the day the daylight was there until like 11 when I was there, it was, such, it was so fucking disorientating. Like, I couldn't <laughs> fucking sleep. It was so weird. Yeah, it, gets, it, it I, makes um, you profoundly odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, I knew a I knew a Finnish person online once, and um, they like were driving somewhere, and it was like a an eight hour drive, and so they were saying they'd like, but they, it was okay because they'd got like two bottles of whiskey, <laughs> and I was like, "What? Well, so you just you're just gonna drive drunk?" And they were just like, "Well, who the fuck am I gonna kill? A moose?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but this is this is actually a a thing. By the way, uh, dropping in the episode notes an image of Mister Blobby wearing a fez, and he's saluting. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the greatest image this AI has ever produced. Uh, <laughs> I'm posting that in the, on the on the main account on the disc on the on the uh, podcast account. Oh incredible. my! It's incredible. It's done such a good job. The transition to the new alphabet is the more successful part of this, really, because they do transition to the new alphabet. Admittedly, there are some parts of the sort of Turkish-speaking world, particularly like Hatay which at the time was called the Sanjak of Alexandretta because the fucking French owned it. Uh, and don't worry, that, that gets dealt with later. But they sort of transitioned to this alphabet in 1934, and they're still using the old Ottoman Turkish script up until then. If you've heard of Hatay before, people in the audience, that's because it was in an Indiana Jones film. So if you're wondering where you've heard that before, that's where it's from. But also, weirdly, they show it off like it's an Islamic emirate. And, like, it has, like, the Shahada on its flag, which isn't... It just had the Turkish flag. Anyway, um, if your objective was to have a higher literacy rate, it works. Because now the literacy rate in Turkey is, like, 97%. The adult literacy rate is 97%. Child literacy rate is, like, 99%. So it's the adults letting the team down in Turkey at the moment. And... Yeah. My my one thought about this is I don't necessarily think it was just the alphabet. I think it was because they did comprehensive centralized education. I don't yeah. know. Because 
to go to have a 224% increase in children attending school probably improves the literacy rate no matter what the alphabet is is yeah. my guess it probably it probably doesn't hurt to have the president himself turn up and tell you what an A is yeah he's like A is right great I can't imagine like how frustrating that must have been for him because <laughs> I would have lost my fucking shit if I had to go around the country as the president of the country and teach. He didn't have to do this. He volunteered to do it. It was one. It's one of the like many bits of his like cult of personality where they're like he was the teacher and he does all these like famous speeches about teachers being great and stuff. And I'm like, you never went to a fucking English school, mate. Like <laughs> fucking hell, <laughs> you know. You're like I think I think it's a, I think it's attributed to him. I'm not sure if he actually said it. He's like teachers are the only people who can save nations. And I'm like I had some fucking abysmal teachers, which does yeah. explain the state of fucking Britain today if they're the only ones who can save us. Apologies to any <laughs> teachers in the audience, but come on. Just absolutely abysmal. All right, come on. Let's go pick on some nurses next. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get to that. Um so Basically, we skip ahead a bit here because there are lots of small cultural reforms and stuff like that that are not like historic, regarded historically as significant, but they do set the scene for the ideological foundations of the party that he's that is governing Turkey at the time. So, in 1933, I think it is the six. What's known as the Six Arrows are codified, but we'll talk about the Six Arrows in an episode, probably the next episode, because. The next episode is going to be the drama episode where we're you going to talk about all of the cool. Half of the half of are all are all these episodes just like half teasers for the next episode, or it does it just yeah. seem that way? It's because it's it's because it's fucking complicated as shit. Basically, there's no easy way to explain this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right, crack on. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Also, of also, it's a benefit of doing a podcast about things that have already happened. That's right. Know. Yeah, because like you can't really tease anything on Praxiscast because it's like you'll never guess what Keith does next, and it's like, yeah. well, yeah, we won't because it'll be something really fucking stupid. But we also can't <laughs> tease it properly. <laughs> like, you'll never guess what Keir does next. He associates himself with beer after being called Beer Korma. <laughs> Again, I couldn't imagine in him doing something that stupid, and yet here we were. So. Oh, don't, don't forget all those pictures he took with the cunts from Brewdog. Yeah, well, that was really fucking stupid. But you should have known before he did that. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, so 1934, we have a new law. A new law just dropped. It's the surname law. Everyone has to have a surname now. Right. This is real Napoleon hours. Like, I like this. This is like comprehensive uh, education, oh, yeah. uh, uh, surname law. Oh, yeah, yeah. You think this is like Napoleon shit. That's exactly where the inspiration for a lot of this stuff draws from. So... Surna- surname law is one of the least popular Tekken characters. <laughs> <laughs> Constantly battering him as king. <laughs> oh, it's been years since I played Tekken. I, I fucking to... love Tekken. Can we yeah, bend this I off and go play some Tekken? Kid. <laughs> no, we have to do the episode. People are here for the episode. Um, so, the, so this is where Ataturk gets his name from the parliament, and it's where my family acquired its really stupid fucking name. Because my great granddad decided, you know what? It's a good name. A word that means someone who can't grow a beard in a family where everyone can grow a fucking beard. I respect that, to be honest. That's he fucking uh... he's fucking trolled us. For, yeah, that's a for good decades. that's a good shit that like. He's trolled us for 90 plus years at this point. Well, 88 years. It's going to be 90 soon. 
He just fucking owned us super bad. <laughs> <laughs> to be he's, fair, he that is that is my like desire for the future as well. To like own people in t- far into the future from the grave. I think that would be that. That's like that's how I want to end up. The the only thing we know about, well, the only thing I know about this particular ancestor of mine is that he swore lo- swore a lot. Which, in fairness, he was literally a sailor, so I don't think that was <laughs> I don't think that was unexpected that he just <laughs> swore a whole lot. Yeah, but it's, it's where he my sounds, da- yeah, he sounds really cool. Like yeah, it's where my all, dad also, learned. <laughs> also, Rob, if you if your if your dream is to own future generations, if you've ever driven a petrol car, you've well, got a head start on that. Like yeah, yeah good news. <laughs> is that? Do you reckon that's what like the generation before the boomers were doing when they were driving le- cars with leaded petrol? They were going to own them into the future. <laughs> is that yeah. what the plan was? So, Probably. so the surname law, it's not all good. It's part of the Turkification process. So you can't have names that refer to foreign nations or ethnicities. So this is kind of a thing because... In Turkey at this time, there's a large population of people who have, in the past 50 years, been refugees from a lot of other countries. Or, you know, the population exchange, right? Literally yeah. kicked out of Greece and then moved to Turkey. A lot of those people had Greek surnames. And so they can't have Greek surnames anymore. No, because, because the Greeks well, stole the Uso. Yeah, well, yeah, Uso is worse, to be fair, but they're both pretty fucking bad. Um... <laughs> Like, it's not... Aniseed is not good. There needs to be less aniseed in stuff. But... <laughs> but, they're, they're, but basically, there are a lot of... There's still a lot of, like, Jewish people, Greek people, Armenian people, and a lot of people who have come into Turkey from other parts of the world as refugees who have surnames already that are not Turkish or not in a Turkish form. So they have to change their surnames. So you can't have a surname... So, like, the example I would give is like Arnovotolo, which is like Albanian son, right? But there's a lot of people from Albania who live in Turkey. So they might want to be called that, right? Yeah. But they can't. You can't fucking do it. You have to have a Turkish name because or a na- that refers to a foreign country. Can't do it. So there's this requirement that your name be Turkish. Now this was obviously like directed at Kurdish people in particular because there was a huge you know, program of Turkification directed at them. And the one thing they absolutely could not ever be allowed to do is express their culture or anyone really. They're like, we're all Turks here, but seriously, change your fucking surname. <laughs> like, that, that is basically the tone in the two tones in which you should read how this expressed itself. There's also a requirement that the surname. So I looked at the surname law. So there's a, there was also a requirement that the surname not relate to any military rank. So you couldn't be like John Sargent, I guess. Can't yeah. do anything like that. And that's probably related to the fact that in the same year, they abolished, like, formal titles and stuff like that. So, like, if you're a, a military officer of a certain rank, you could be called something like Pasha. They just abolish shit like that. Like, no, you can't do that anymore. And also, you couldn't claim historical names without, and this is a quote from the law, genealogical evidence. Mm. Which... It just reads very grim in the 1930s for a law to require genealogical evidence of anything. It's a bit... It it sets an uncomfortable tone. But it also probably stopped a bunch of people who wanted to be named after, like, Attila the Hun. So no one is to say whether it's good or bad. You could have been Sinan the Hun. How much more better would that have been, though? 
that would have been a great Twitter username in retrospect. <laughs> but also, like, I think Hun has a meaning in Scotland that I would not enjoy. So maybe it's for the best that I didn't, uh, I didn't take that on. So that's your surname law. Now we're going to go on to, uh, on to the women. You know them, you love them. It's women. How did the status of women change? So in the Ottoman Empire, they didn't have any political rights, right? No political rights, basically barely any social rights. Yeah. So like women could, they could kind of own businesses, maybe. They could have independent wealth, maybe by, you know, virtue of owning a business. But like basically everything was the husband's job. He was in charge of everything, right? Yeah. And you know, that makes some sense because the country had a caliph and then the caliph was cooed by a conservative nationalist group of genociders. So it kind of makes sense that like this incredibly conservative backdrop means that women do not start with a lot of political rights. So we're going to have to step back to get to the sort of important ending here. So in 1926, they changed that, right? So they adopt the Swiss civil code uh, of, of the time. And yeah, because that's, yeah, they adopt the Swiss civil code and like a bunch of French shit and some Italian shit. Uh, basically, they really like that particular region of the world for some reason. Yeah, when you say when you say some French shit and some Italian shit, I'm assuming varying degrees of racism. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they. I mean, they pretty explicitly did do that. <laughs> they did import the racism. That I think we've covered that quite well up until now. So, <laughs> so basically, they gave a bunch of non-political rights to women because Switzerland did not have very good political rights. For it women did at the not. Time. No. No, I believe there was a canton of Switzerland that only gave women the vote in like 1956. No, so... no, 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 93. It 93? was uh, yeah, the... it was up until in and it was only because the uh, state, the federal court made them. Yeah, otherwise they're like, our women are perfectly happy not voting and leaving it to the men. Yeah, but that's yeah, like we had, we had a vote that decided that. Yeah, I mean that's like a, but that's like fifteen thousand people live there, and they up until very recently literally made decisions by showing up on the village square and raising their hand. See, that's you know that's 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 what communism is to me: showing up to the village square and raising my hand. That's it. <laughs> that's how we do it. The Swiss Civil Code did give women the right to, well, the adoption of it and adaptation, sort of adaptation of it by the Turkish nationalists, gave them the equal right to initiate divorce. Which is good because, I mean, if uh, Jamie will remember from the bonus episode, the uh, the woman the who woman stole, that stole the, house. the house, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the woman who stole the house. So perhaps good for her. Good for her. Yeah, that, she was incredibly correct in that situation, from what I could tell. And I feel really bad for the kids in that situation. But if you, yeah, just yeah, feel really bad for the kids. But. This was already kind of the case, to be fair. They, they act like this is a big victory, but also, like, women in the Ottoman Empire did initiate a lot of divorces because there are, like, legal records from the Ottoman Empire of, like, women taking their husbands to court and being like, I want a divorce. And the judge and the cuddy at the time is like, well, why do you want a divorce? And she points at the husband and goes, look at him. Would you marry him? <laughs> and just fucking gets the divorce on the spot. It just fucking rocks. What's the, like, Turkish, are, what's, the, of... what's the Turkish for she's turned the weans against us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that is actually part of this um, equal right to divorce as well, because it also gave equal right to um, both partners to have custody of the children after divorce. So, I mean, obviously, if like the husband was beating his wife, 
they did not they did not let him have the equal right then but yeah. but you know in in amicable divorce situations if they exist I don't know. I can't imagine. I said that and I was like, has that ever happened? Has there ever just been a divorce where people are like, yeah, fair enough. Really? I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to assume at some point. Yeah, statistically speaking, it must have happened at least once. Yeah. There must so, be some people who got married, but like the heart was never really in it. You know? Yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, but usually doesn't that become like a festering resentment after a while? Well, I mean, it depends on the, it depends on the people, you know? And also depends on how quickly you figure it out, I guess. Yeah. This law also, so this adoption of the Swiss Civil Code, also abolished polygamy and made it a criminal offence, which means that Turkey is, like, one of the first, (laughs) probably the first, actually no, it's not the first, I think there were a couple of others before, but it's the first, one of the first Muslim countries, Muslim majority countries, to outlaw polygamy. So no more multiple wives, and actually, rather interestingly, um... One of the big problems in Turkey today, or one of the problems in Turkey today, it's not like the big problem. The big problem is the inflation. Story of our lives, apparently. But The inflation and Gollum. The inflation <laughs> and Gollum, yeah. We'll be, we'll be learning about Gollum's electoral prospects reasonably soon, actually. Um, but one of the things is that people found a way around the polygamy ban by being like, no, I'm not married to her in a secular marriage. I did a religious marriage that's off the books. There's no such fucking thing, really, in Turkey. You, I you really like the idea of an off-the-books marriage, like a marriage speakeasy, essentially, where you rock up. That's <laughs> that, But that is a thing, right? People would elope, and they would have, like, secret marriages and stuff. That is a thing that has happened, surely. Like, Yeah, also, also, you could just live with a woman and call her your wife. That, that's yeah. a thing you're allowed to do. <laughs> that is indeed something. <laughs> Unless it upsets yeah. the wife. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, then in that case, you shouldn't do it, really. I think it's reasonable to say. <laughs> but so... it's funny. <laughs> or it's a joke that I... never, ever, ever gets old. <laughs> yeah, I will never refer to my partner as my wife. Um, <laughs> God willing, I will never get married. Yeah. Um, Sinan, not yeah. a wife guy. <laughs> No, no, I think I don't think you need to be married to be a wife guy. I think wife guy is kind of like the status of MILF in that it's socioeconomic and a state of mind. I think yeah. I think I think that's how that works. <laughs> anyway, I can't I've, I've been talking about MILFs a lot on lots of stuff recently. I don't know how this keeps coming up. My mind's clearly thinking about something. Anyway, <laughs> is it uh, MILFs? MILFs. <laughs> it might be MILFs. Let's let's talk about MILFs, you know. <laughs> Okay, no, let's let's not do that because I absolutely cannot have an on the record conversation about MILFs after the time Len McCluskey quote tweeted my stream going, Oh, there's an interesting discussion about my book here. And me and Jack Frayne Reed from Real Politics were talking about whether an Albanian politician was a MILF or not. <laughs> <laughs> like as he was as he quote tweeted, like a bunch of people came in and I was like, I don't know, is she a MILF? I mean like <laughs> Uh, and they incredible. were ex- they were expecting me to talk about Len's book, and it was like, oh, hi everyone. So I'm the guy who talks about MILFs, apparently. I'm now the MILF guy. So in 1930, uh, women were granted limited political rights, so they were able to vote in local elections. Oh, big deal, right? Local elections. I mean, it, it's it's more than a lot of other women had at the time, but you know. Yeah. But then they were granted full political rights in 1934. And it's, it's, a very, it's a very important milestone when you grant the women of your country the right to stay home and go out. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although to be fair, turnout in Turkish elections, even local elections, are like 89%. Jesus. Like, people get really, like, 
intense about it. So, yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, voting in Turkey is mandatory, so maybe 89% oh, well. isn't anything to be impressed by. But also, to be fair, at the last local elections, that got us a communist mayor in one part of Turkey. So, you know, who's, nice. you know, that's the thing. If you make voting mandatory, I'm just going to vote for a fucking communist. Probably myself, to be fair, but, you know. So, the year after they're granted full political rights, you have the first 18 women MPs elected to the parliament. Great. Cool. Women yeah. MPs. Good time. We've got women in the parliament. Yep. And they Within can milfs? all vote. I, I don't know. Um, hold on, let's look up first, 80, first women MP <laughs> Turkey. This is unrelated to the MILF. Make sure uh, you're actually putting that into Google and not the AI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I did put it into um, first female MPs of the Turkish parliament. Hey, here's a picture of all of them. That's, that's them. They got their pictures taken. So there you go. There's the first 18 women MPs. They, they don't look very happy. Well, I mean, would you be happy if you were a Turkish MP in a parliament where there's just, like, one party and a group of, like, accepted, allowed independents? You don't have any real power. You just, you're just there to stamp what the man set tells you to stamp. True. Yeah, it's not... It's, it, the parliament is not really a powerful institution at this point because they've tried having, you know, opposition parties and stuff. It is didn't that, go Is well. that one woman on the top row wearing the forbidden fez, or does it just look that way? Oh, it just looks that way, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's also a woman there that looks exactly like my grandmother on the top row on the right, far right. She's not far My grandmother's not far right. <laughs> <laughs> but on the far right of the image... All right, bombshell the, the one on this with the podcast. Hat, <laughs> yeah, looks exactly like my grandmother, which is uh, very funny. Yeah, we we have to cut we have to cut all references to Elon Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna start it from there. That's it. No context. We're just starting it from there. So we're back. Um <laughs> I'm gonna have to put like the happy wheels music in between that bit. Like, Welcome to Turkish like, Hitler are... cast. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean to be fair, we will be talking about Turkish Hitler in uh, in like the forties. So the the guy even had the same haircut. And would you believe it he was a poet? A nationalist poet who was a fascist. Hmm. Strange. You might be wondering, because we, we love to say in the UK, you know, the right to vote and the right to all this other stuff. It doesn't, it's not handed to you, right? It's, it's something you win through struggle. Or at least in the UK, it was won through struggle. Women's suffrage is the same thing. No, I think, I think, the, I think the government just woke up one day and decided to be nice. <laughs> well, you say that because... I, I've mentioned the TV show in previous episodes. There's a TV show called Kurtulush, which is about the independence war. They have a second season of that called Jumriyet, which means republic. And there's a bit in there where the, they basically make out that Ataturk decided to give women the rights, full political rights, because a friend of his was a teacher at a school and they were running school elections because it was like the local elections or whatever. And a boy sort of objected to the fact that a girl had been elected the class representative because women can't run for parliament. And I was yeah. just like, hmm. It's, it's a really funny scene because he just goes, hmm, I know. I will simply allow women to vote. And the way I'm going to do that <laughs> is by antagonizing the entire parliament, by bringing my wife to parliament. Because at the time, women were not allowed in the parliament building, yeah. like in the, in the chamber. 
and, and everyone was like, what the fuck is this? There's a woman here? And, you know, you've got to remember, some of these people are from, like, the middle of buttfuck nowhere. So it's the first time they've seen a woman before. So, like, what the fuck is this? They have women now? What? When did they invent this? When did it come out of beta testing? Like, that's yeah. genuinely the way they portray it. All of, their, all of their fedoras just suddenly rising up like two feet in the air. Like, oh yeah, shock. This, yeah. This is the thing. This is another thing because in that TV show, they have they try to tell you the ideology of people through their hats, like the fucking FBPE maniacs. Oh, and, incredible! And so in the, in Kurtulush before the hat law, you know who's like a caliphate supporter or an Islamist because they're wearing a turban, right? But yeah. you know who's a Republican because they're wearing the cowpack, right? They they do this like hat stuff. Like the FBPE types, and I just find that very funny. Only it's actually kind of true. So I don't know. <laughs> really, the FBPE people's time was like early Turkish Republic. They would have thrived <laughs> under this shit because because yeah. it is actually just the government straight up deciding. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Let's let women vote. <laughs> that's exactly how they believe history happened, and it happened in this country in this way. At least that's the way it's portrayed. It's not true. There were like organized women's groups that did try to put pressure on the government, but there's also, like, a limited number of ways you can do that in a one-party state where the man is, like, literally revered by everyone. So everyone had to do it in a very gentle way. I don't know whether that story about his friend who was the schoolteacher is true. I only mention it because that's the way it's portrayed a lot of the time. Well, if it's on television, it is true, so it's fine. Yeah, I mean, that would imply a lot of other things about his personal life that people have since been like, no, we can never talk about. But anyway, it's again, we're not trying to get assassinated here. So <laughs> speak for yourself. So a lot of the so a lot of this pressure does come from external women's group. I believe there was like there's some suggestion that there was like a women's political party, but there have been women's political parties later in Turkey as well. But there was like a women's political party. But obviously all parties were shut down at various points because they were becoming more popular than the Republican People's Party or were being hijacked by people who did genocide. Yeah. Not the women. The women's party had nothing to do with the genocide bit, just to be clear. But their organizations did put this sort of external pressure on him. But the common perception is that Turkish women were granted the rights by the benevolent dictator and... I wonder why we might tell the story that way. Isn't it interesting? Anyway. Right. So, but a lot of this pressure does come from the shit that he said himself. So, basically, he he does this. So, you know, like, the Soviet... I forget who it is. You know, women hold up half the sky. Right? He basically does a rhetorical flair that's like that a lot of the time. Where it's like, how can we rise when half of us is bound to the earth and stuff like that? You know? It may, and by the way, that does that is that's a very liberal way of putting it, but it is a way that makes sense to most people. Yeah. You know. And he constantly gives speeches where he's like, Women of the Republic, you need to break out from the sort of traditional roles because there's this idea in Kemalism that like the less traditional you are, the more modern you are, the better. The more like Europe you are, right? And yeah. you've got to remember, this is happening ahead of a lot of Europe as well. So this isn't just like we're doing what Europe, a lot of Europe did. We're lapping some European countries. I mean, some European countries, you couldn't fucking vote at this time. This is 1934. So like some of these countries, you still couldn't vote. Like Poland? I mean, good luck, right? Good luck voting there. Or Lithuania? I mean, you could put an X next to the one guy's name. I guess that's the same as Turkey, to be fair. <laughs> but I don't think they let women vote. <laughs> they didn't let women vote there. So, you know. And so... 
actually this pisses off. So the bit in the TV show where he brings his wife to the parliament and pisses off half the parliament is kind of true because it does piss off a lot of the MPs. And would you believe it? It split down the statist liberal divide, kind of. The liberals, economic liberals, who are melts and led by people like Jalal Bayer, who looks like a fucking nerd, they're like, women voting is too much too fast. We're not opposed to Mustafa Kemal, but we're a, we need Kemalism without Kemal and at a slower pace. Yeah. You know, that old trick. The statists, there were some statists who were like socially conservative, weren't comfortable with it, but they're like, actually, we're the guy's power base in the party. And, it, and we would like to retain that position because it means we get a lot of the shit we actually care about done, like nationalizing stuff and taxing people. And also telling foreigners to get fucked. That's less good, but like, all right. Swings and roundabouts. 66% is not bad, I would say, you know? And to be fair, they specifically want to tell foreign companies to get fucked. They want to do, as we described in the economy episode, autarky. They want to be autarkic, which is a really bad idea, but, you know, they didn't end up doing it. They just did five year plans, which worked. Who knew? Who knew planning the economy was good? So, yeah, you, this kind of relates to the other stuff about the political party becoming an actual political party, because by moving so quickly, or what's perceived as quickly, it took him 11 years to get round to it, to be fair, on women's suffrage and on political rights for women, he's antagonizing and creating splits in his own party, which inform what happens in 1945 when they start having multiple parties. And the reasoning behind having multiple parties is, well, the fascists lost, so I guess we have to have multi-party democracies now. That's always That's a good it. idea. Yeah, they, they were like, actually, it's not fashionable to have single-party states. And I'm like, buddy, you neighbor the Soviet Union. <laughs> it's incredibly <laughs> fashionable to have single-party <laughs> states. Um, it's also cool. But they just want... It's, yeah, it's cool to have a single-party state when it's a communist party, and it's the exact type of communism I believe in. Exactly. Welcome welcome to Trotsky Cast episode number 108. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't fucking deal. We found the one Trotskyist party in Turkey, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Completely at random, one episode. So, the final reform we'll cover is the adoption of the principle of secularism into the Constitution. So, by this point, the six arrows are codified as the official ideology of the Republican People's Party. I'm going to try and remember the six arrows, but I don't think it's going to work. So, okay, what are the six arrows of Kemalism? They are... Right, I'm going to give this a go, everyone. Republicanism, populism, nationalism, secularism, statism, and reformism. That's six. I think That's I fucking six. nailed it. Yeah. I nailed that sounds it. like six. I, I don't know. You, you, you win. something like six. Yeah. So... So this political party has so much power that basically three of the six ideological principles it holds are irremovable parts of the Constitution. Literally, you cannot remove them because the Constitution now asserts that Turkey is a secular democratic republic and that its sovereignty is derived from the people. So you've got secularism, republicanism, and populism there, all wrapped up and protected in the Constitution. Cannot be changed because there's a fourth part of the constitution that's like, you can't change the first three parts. That says, that says no change. Can you change the fourth part, though? Sorry? Can you change the fourth part? Yes. 
<laughs> then you think of that. I was, I was going to say, but to be fair, by the time you attempt to change the fourth part, because it's very complicated and kind of a ball ache to change the constitution in Turkey, as it is in most countries, to be fair, that's not unique. If you made any significant political effort towards changing it, people would notice. It's not exactly the kind of thing you can sneak past people. Oh, by the way, we're going to change the democratic republic part of it to autocratic dictatorship. I mean, you can just do that and have a republic anyway. I, d- I do like as, the idea of having like a no takesy backseat clause in your constitution. I think that's kind of cool. That's just yeah, wrong. that's yeah. It's a very um, it's a very specifically like. Turkish way of thinking where it's like if I write this down no one will dare change it and challenge it but basically what they did was make it so difficult to change the constitution that any attempt to change that specific bit would probably lead to riots in the street at this point you can't do that that's annoying essentially yeah I mean it isn't to be fair Turkey's had like a bunch of referendums recently I can't imagine that they're in the mood for any more especially not on a not a referendum on removing the fourth clause of the constitution because that would lead to another referendum on what they're going to change in the first three so yeah no one no one's having it I can't yeah but I think Wrapping up in 1937. I mean, there's some stuff that carries on in 1938, but it's mostly minor stuff. Uh, the sort of governing process of Turkey slows down at this point because Ataturk is slowly dying of cirrhosis. Oh, he's not. He's not off in some field somewhere pointing at letters anymore. No, no, no. In in the late 30s, everyone was like aware there was a health issue at play, and he. Spoiler alert, everyone. He dies. Uh, just if you if you need to. If you needed that, he dies of cirrhosis in 1938, which means that 1938 is a great stopping point for talking about the reforms that he did, because how can you do any more reforms? He's dead. It's over. Yeah. Dunzo. And then we'll be talking about Ben's favorite person and his reforms. But that's the episode, I think. So, Rob, thanks for coming on and uh, filling in for Ben, because Ben has decided to have a job. Very rude of Ben. Very rude of them, yeah. In it, so, in this day and age, yeah, having a job in 2022, uh, that's pretty cringe, actually. It's pretty sus, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah. So, Rob, where can we find you, and also Jamie, to be fair? But where can we find you both if people are interested <laughs> in hearing more from you? I don't know if they will be the way I'll cut this up, but if they are. <laughs> Yeah, assuming the chaos makes it through the edit, where can you find more? <laughs> yeah, if if you enjoy mild chaos episodes that's more current affairs than history, then you can find um, both of us on PraxisCast, on Podcasting is Praxis, uh, available yep. on any, uh, I don't know, uh, what, is it, what is it called again? Podcast channel, uh, podcast app near you. Uh, <laughs> I'm really good at this. We should get David in to do this promo shit. Um <laughs> You can find yeah. me. Uh, um, sorry, yeah, Jamie. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, uh, it's it's at PraxisCast on Twitter. Yeah, it is at PraxisCast on Twitter. Like everything, everything's linked from there. So yeah, uh, solve, we also have an amazing line in like T-shirts. An ARG. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, PraxisCast.tmail.com. Uh, and by, you can find me personally uh, on account other. On Twitter, which is a terrible handle, and I don't know why I chose it. (laughs) All right. So, with that all wrapped up, everyone, we're going to say bye. Take it easy. Catch us on the bonus episode, the next bonus. 
where Ben will miraculously reappear. Yeah. It will be on the Turkish Marxist-Leninist hacker collective who keep deleting people's electricity bills and saving people, like, billions of lira, basically. That's very oh, we cool. Absolutely, we could absolutely use one of those over here. Yeah. Absolutely. Ask, I'll, I'll get in touch with the, uh, with the person on their, um, on their... What's that fucking stupid thing that people try and use instead of Twitter? What's it, um, what's it called? Mammoth? Mastodon? Um, Mastodon, that's it. I'll Me- try and get mention. in touch with their dude on Mastodon. Yeah, get, get in touch with us on Mention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Take it easy, everyone. See ya. See ya. Bye.